0: Attention all you trick-or-treaters, it's time to get your ghoul on, for tonight is All Hallow's Eve, my favorite time of the year.
1: Our little town really comes alive on October 31st, when witches and devils, imps and monsters roam our town.
0: Please I've something to tell ladies and gentlemen how do you Blood and Black Rum Podcasts, and Halloween. Hey guys, welcome back to the Blood and Black Rum Podcast. I'm Ryan from ColdSplotation.com and I'm joining my co-host Martin. How's it going? Doing pretty well. Tomorrow is Halloween and when we post this episode, it will be Halloween. So I'm I'm in my element now. And obviously we've been doing Anth Halloween for six episodes now. Um, just getting into the Halloween films, because we did a lot of anthologies that weren't part of Halloween, and this last episode is another Halloween anthology, so we timed it perfectly. Happy, happy Halloween, Halloween, Ah, Halloween. One more day till Halloween. I'm off on Halloween, so I can get this episode posted and shared and all that good stuff. Um, I'm excited. And so the, what we figured we were going to usher in Halloween with the last of the decades that we've covered within Halloween, which is the 2010s, the decade we're in right now and soon to be leaving the end of the uh, at, in December. Um, so we're talking about 2015's Tales of Halloween. Not tales from the dark side, not
1: tales from the crypt, Tales of Halloween. As I pointed out to you. These anthology films, really fucking lazy on their naming. What would you like this one to be instead? I don't know. Be, think of something different, though.
0: Just stop with the tales? Yes. Halloween stories.
1: Spooky, sweet, <laughs> creepy, crawly, big <thing> story. <laughs> <laughs> you know, something. Tales of Halloween. Yeah, no, it's just lazy. At this point, it's lazy. If they come out with a anthology film... In the next couple of years, like for how, like you know, horror movies, it better not have tales in it. I want something else? Yeah, I want them to be a little bit more. Be creative. Yeah. If anything, tales from the crypt should just you know just copyright the word tales to begin with. Like, you can't use it. It's ours. How about how? What do you feel about
0: anthology anthology series like uh,
1: Dead Time Tales? Look, grab a thesaurus. look up Tails. Tails from the Hood? Find a synonym. Find a synonym (laughs) to replace it. There's
0: many, many, many
1: stories. We haven't even covered all of them that have tails in it. I know. Well, they they all do. They just about all do, except Trick or Treat and Black Sabbath. (laughs) I know what they should have went with. Yarns of Halloween. <laughs> Yarns of Halloween.
0: Fables of Halloween. Yeah. That would have been a better one. You, ha, you, you a, would know that you were in for like a an epic. <laughs> Yarns. of Each, each
1: installment odyssey, is two odysseys. hours long. <laughs>
0: odyssey. <laughs> yeah. Then you know you're in for a trip. Well,
1: it's supposed to be eight different stories, but we went on a little bit of a journey there. Yeah. Told a little yarn and went on an odyssey and we are. So we only got to one. No. It'd be great. You know, f- fables have Aesop, like a, like a zombie Aesop. I mean, like,
0: you know. Halloween kind of sounds like, uh and we'll talk about it on the show, but all the pirates that are in this, this film, like that's what you would think of like Yarns of Halloween, like a pirate telling the story of like, yeah, I'm not last Halloween. Yeah. You know. Johnny Pig Leg <laughs> gave out the candy <laughs> on the boat. Yeah. There's no boats. Yarns of Halloween, the next installment <laughs> of Anne's Halloween. No, but Tales of Halloween is a 2015 film, Um, one Does, that I have seen one time before. Doesn't look it. Feels like it's probably like a lot earlier than 2015. Feels like it was being prepared in. Right
1: around the time of Trick or Treat. Yeah,
0: the early 2000s, mid 2000s has a lot of similar
1: characteristics, but um this is not the Obama years, yeah it it's doesn't look it looks like we're right in the bush years, yeah the one thing that they
0: they talk about with tales of Halloween is that it's from the october society, a group of like minded filmmakers who love Halloween um,
1: um I called it like I asked you I'm like what is it that you like the Ukrainian, uh are you afraid of you know midnight society mm they couldn't use the
0: word midnight. Like, so they're like... They went with October.
1: Yeah, the October, like, where, where's the little shit had to be? I'm going to throw the sand on the fire. See Honestly, I start? think it just
0: refers to the band, the collective of people who are making, you know, the, the directors and writers that were making this movie. Because there's a lot of people involved in horror that are part of this film. Um, I'll just name a few. Darren Lynn Bousman part of the saw franchise we've done a few other films outside of that um we've got uh lucky mckee who's well known for uh some of his other films like may um you know just a lot of people who have done some s- s- smaller low budget films uh what you would sometimes term indie films uh, involved in this tales of halloween Um, you know, it's kind of, in in a lot of ways, it reminds you of VHS or VHS two or the ABCs of death, where they get a lot of like up and coming directors who are, you know, working on, um, films, horror films, and, and they, they kind of assemble them together to give you a bunch of short stories. Um, because tales of Halloween is, I think the longest, there are the most amount of stories that we've seen in a, um, in a film so far in, in Halloween. I don't think we've had any that span eight. I, th- I, th- I think I'm guessing here, but I think it's like eight no, shorts. And it's all one.
1: been around four and five. What's that?
0: Four yeah. Around five. four and five. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so Tales of Halloween, it's not, it, it's not even a long movie. It's like hour 30. Yeah. It's like 90 minutes, a little bit longer. So this one has the most amount of short stories. In a fairly limited amount of time, which means that we each story is around like ten minutes, twelve minutes, something like that. Uh, so you get a limited amount of time to do your characterization, to do your you know your uh, introductions for everybody before you get into the meat of the film. Um, so that's tough, you know. Shorts like that are very very difficult, and uh, you know as a writer too, being in you know writing short stories and things like that. Uh, the shorter the story, the harder it is to um, actually make an effective story because you have to make everything mean something. You know, every every little tidbit that you put in has to mean something. Otherwise, you know, you've wasted amount of, a, a precious amount of time uh, trying to fit something in that's really not necessary to your story. So um, on edits and things like that, you're going to remove all of those unnecessary details that you really don't need. And for films, I imagine that it's the same idea that you need to get rid of all of the fluff, especially when you only have ten minutes or so to get to your main idea. Uh, you got to get rid of all that stuff that's not needed. And um, I think, as we'll talk about when we we get further into Tales of Halloween, um, sometimes short, these short stories actually remove a little too much, um, or they don't dive into enough detail um, that you might need for the for the short. So. Uh, It's interesting to note that this one is has, you know, some of the shorter stories that we've seen in anthologies uh, and a larger number of stories and how that sort of affects an anthology film. Um, So we've kind of run the gamut when we've done doing anthology. We've done sort of, you know, one of everything for anthologies, one with a lot of shorts, uh, one with a slightly smaller number of shorts, one that's longer, one that's shorter. Uh, one that kind of uh, combines all of the stories together. So I think we did a pretty good job with Anth Halloween. Just tooting our own horn there. ourselves in the back. Yeah, that's right. We did a good picks. But uh, yeah. So Tales of Halloween, you've never seen it before. No, never
1: even heard of it. And uh, I've seen it one time. So at last Halloween. that face—that fa- say that face you made just says it all. Like, what sort of chagrin that a uh, yeah, little yeah disappointment, like you know, like a father's disappointed. Hmm. You didn't hear about it. Hmm. It well, only got a limited
0: release. It did get a limited release. It's not something. Yeah, I think it actually got released to home video. Just you know, um, Epic Pictures, the production company on this uh tends to have home video releases, not really theatrical, um, but with that said, there's a lot of people in this film that are recognizable and, you know, have some sort of connection to horror, uh, a lot of cameos, um, so, you know, Tales from Halloween, though it was a lower budget, smaller release, I think a lot of horror fans did see it and find out about it simply because of that, you know, all of the... The people that are here assembled together as uh, in homage to many of their films. It looks like a shot in trick or treat. Same town. Same yeah, su- same suburb, or at least yeah they they went to the suburbs that look a lot like Halloween. You know the <laughs> Halloween suburbs. Um, the it's basically what you would think of as the perfect Broadway street of like Just trick nice or treating, man. like. You hit that house and you wham, bam, 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 bam. You know, you can go through Cape Corner all, just all the time. jumping around from street to street. That's like the, when you're a trick-or-treater when you're younger, that's the main, you're like, shit, I got to get to that that street. That's
1: which has like always, am, always amazed me how, like, your house, your parents' house always got hit, always gets hit during Halloween. It's so fucking far off of, like, the beaten path. It's just that it's in the village, and when you, have a, when you live in a village like that, it's just... No, I know, but like it's like definitely one of like the side, side mm-hmm. streets. Like, prime location, though. Yeah. I mean, yeah. I think only because it's next to the graveyard, so it's like,
0: ooh. Spooky. Spooky. Yeah, yeah. But the, the the city or suburb that you see in Tales of Halloween, that's like the perfect area that you want to be in. That whole town's economy is just based on people showing up to shoot Halloween movies. Yeah, probably. Just like, all right, yeah. They're coming again. You've got the perfect street for this. Probably like during actual Halloween, all those people like board up the houses. They're like, <laughs> you know, so many people come through. And they're like, fuck it. I'm not buying candy this year. They're going totally like uh, skipping Christmas <laughs> style thing. Um, yeah, Christmas with the cranks. But, uh, all right. They're going um, on their cruise, damn it. <laughs> yeah, they're skipping Halloween. They're like, we spend $2,000 on candy every year for these
1: fucking delinquents. You know what? You make fun of Tim Allen now. That's going to be you in a couple of years. You're going to be like, you know what? I fucking had enough spending all this money on Christmas.
0: Yeah, I can see it. I could see my I – mean, you know what? And then, then Christmas rolls around and I'm like buying all this shit. I'm like <laughs> – there's fucking winter m&ms i gotta buy those and you know like anything like winter themed i'm like gotta buy it gotta buy it so yeah all right uh let's take a break from tales of halloween we'll, we haven't even really gotten into this tales of halloween yet we've just been riffing on things uh but we'll take a break from that real quick before we get into it and uh talk about the beer that we got on the show today as you know we've been following a theme throughout the uh Halloween series we've been doing Uh, Fall-related beers and Oktoberfest and ciders on the show Uh, and anything that was sort of Halloween-related, like we did Nosferatu last time and Nosferatu Red Ale. Um, This time, since we're on the tail end of Halloween and and Halloween and October, we decided to not do an Oktoberfest. And instead, Martin picked up a winter pack, which normally is taboo. Uh, But this time, um, you know, it made sense because there is a Schwartz beer in that pack. And that is the perfect culmination of October into November, I feel like. It's a, it's a good segue beer.
1: I would say that like Schwartz beer is like a good fall and winter beer. I agree. I think it's... Especially when, like, fall is, like, wrapping up, you know, your leaves are totally dead and rotting away, and you're starting to really just want to feel the warmth.
0: I agree. I think it's a, it's a great combination beer so you picked up the saranac winter pack the 12 beers of winter and they did a pretty good job with this pack this year by changing things up quite a bit um and they went in different directions with their beers and one of the most uh interesting beers in their pack was this black forest cake that we have on the show so the black forest cake is a combination of their regular black forest lager and then they've add, they've gone ahead and added cherries and vanilla and dark chocolate to it to give it a cakey flavor that pronounces the uh the vanilla and the cherry flavors of it uh while- re- maintaining that black forest lager style and we've we've got to say that it is quite a good beer it's a very interesting
1: brew it's great I love it. It's like one, like a terrific dessert beer. I get more dark chocolate than I do cherries. I was kind of a little bit worrying about the cherry profile being a little too strong. Like a little too, like... Um, not that I don't mind sour cherries, but I mean, if it's like... A, more like an artificial cherry, like a medicine cherry, that kind of is usually always gross. Mm-hmm. But... Uh, Dark chocolate and the vanilla pairs, you know, really well with the Black Forest. Um, if you haven't listened to the podcast before, Sarah Next Black Forest is one, both of one of our favorite beers. Unfortunately, it's not a regular staple of theirs anymore. Um, they just brought it back this year in their uh, fall pack. Mm-hmm. But this is a nice take on it of like adding nice different characteristics to it to spice it up and give it a new life for the winter. And I love it. Again, it's really nice. It's really cakey. It kind of like the way – like for me, at least, it comes out like with a nice vanilla and cherry to begin with. And then the dark chocolate finishes it off. Gives it like a nice uh, lava cake taste to it, like a nice molten chocolate.
0: Yeah. I mean I like this a lot. I do get some of the cherry towards the end of it. Uh, Definitely the dark chocolate flavors and the vanilla uh, come out quite a bit. Um, But that cherry sort of towards the end of the the flavor profile. Uh, One thing that I would like to see – though I like this Black Forest cake quite a bit, is some even uh, more variations on the Black Forest cake. You know, like, instead of cherries, what about raspberries in there? You know, something like that. You know, dark berries to... um, Pair with it. Yeah, like, I think that would be a really cool idea to run with that Black Forest lager, which is, uh, I think, one of Saranac's most, um, you know, their best beer. Um, Though they, they seem hesitant to even acknowledge that. As Black Forest, because they keep taking it
1: away, and well, for the longest time, it's been part of their staples. I mean, it's only up until like two probably like two years ago mm-hmm. they took it out of their full time rotation. It's kind of like they're like Genesee with the 12 horse, where everyone wants the 12 horse back, and they're like, Nuh-uh. yeah, <laughs> you know, yeah, they kind of play with it a little bit, yeah, maybe yeah, we don't know. I guess
0: you know what, though, that makes it when you get something like this with the Black Forest cake. Makes it a li- even a little bit more special because you're like, oh, they brought my Black Forest Lager back, and they did something a little different with it.
1: I know, but at the same time, when you got all those different Haze IPAs to release,ing you're like, what the fuck are you doing? That's true. They're running with the haze. You're literally taking that same batch. They're yet, lost in the haze, and then you're just sl- like slightly tweaking it for the next season. Like instead of coriander, we're gonna make it uh, a little bit tangerine, you know? Yeah,
0: mm. yeah. I would like to see them take the Black Forest Cake. And make like a raspberry black forest cake, and, and you know, you know, the raspberry pomegranate one. black forest cake. And those would
1: like, both be really good. You know, I can just imagine. It'll I, get, I
0: can see that being something where they could you can they could mess with that recipe a little bit. Say so, you know what, instead of cherries this time, we're going to supplement with raspberries. So like seasonal, and you could keep going with that. You could that's a theme that you could try, and you know, that's a nice riff on everybody's IPA craze, where you're like, well, instead this time,
1: of <laughs> uh, citrus a- hops, I added mosaic hops, or I add you know. In this case... Which is funny, because you had, for your Halloween party, you bought Founders Mosaic... Uh, Mosaic Promise, yeah. Yeah, the, yeah, Just more so
0: because I was interested in trying it, because it's one of their... The only 15 packs that I've never had from them. So, I was interested
1: in trying it. I'm but. drawing a blank on what those single hops are even called, like, with the abbreviation for it, is called.
0: Um, oh, you, like, when they're single hop, single... Uh, yeah. Smash? Yeah, there we go. Yeah, there's... <laughs> yeah. S- yeah, single malt, single hop. Yeah. yeah. Um, I think that the Black Forest Cake could be the same idea. You know, it's, you supplement cherries with raspberries, pomegranates, stuff like that. Black currants. Get black currants in the
1: mix. You How often have... do you have a chance to get black currants in the mix? Have you, uh, say, did you even have that currant sour at Beer Fest last year?
0: I'm not sure. It is really good. Not only that, the, that you could do... For for some of the people that like that, you could do like an Old Ale style with raisins,
1: Ugh. Ugh.
0: or craisins.
1: Ugh. I got all kinds of ideas, Sarah. up. Rooting. I got, now I got just so rooting. many ideas. Why, why don't you make it out dates? <laughs> there you go. Plums, figs,
0: all kinds of ideas. Black Forest cake with plums. Ugh. Sit there and have some nice dates. Delightful. Ugh. Dried fruits nasty, but the moral of the story here is that the Black Forest cake is really good, and you should check it out if you have any Saranac near you.
1: It's probably worth the pack itself for sure. The other three beers could be total ass, which yeah. they're not. But they're not. They're <laughs> they're fairly mediocre
0: beers in the the other ones. Season's best is pretty good. Yeah. Uh, the other two that are new to the pack are are okay. I would say they're okay. The um, very for, middle of the road. Right. But, one's an IPA, and one's like a weed ale, and they taste very similar. But the Black Forest cake really does stand out from that pack and makes it worthwhile.
1: You know what? I'm just glad they have this instead of that 4058 porter, because that was always dog shit. Mm-hmm. mm mm-hmm. I always hated when they put that in there, because it's like one of the weakest porters ever. It's like, hey, that t- tastes just like a, a porter. They didn't do anything mm. special. Mm. Yep. Okay.
0: We're on to Tales of Halloween. So Tales of Halloween, like we said, has got quite a number of stories. So we're going to do our best to get through each of the stories and go into them a little in depth. We're not going to spend a whole lot of time on each story because we've got a lot to get into. Um, But let's first talk about Adrienne Barbeau as our main narration for the film. So she's the hussy that stole John Carpenter's heart. I like to say that. Poor Deborah Carpenter, but but uh, so Adrian Barbeau, she's like and the she's not a newcomer to Aunt Halloween. That's true. She was in Creepshow. She was in Creepshow, being the extremely, extremely annoying uh, bitchy
1: drunk. Yeah, when, you know. Uh
0: so it's interesting that they have Adrian Barbeau here. I think you know they wanted a just someone classic from horror that they could use. Um she I think it matters. They have
1: her doing like the Warriors radio role. Yeah. She plays yeah. like a
0: radio host who's like giving out like it's Halloween. She's like saying, like, Ooh, it's time for all those creeps and goblins to come out. It's the witching hour. Um,
1: she's giving her best impression of that. Which, and um which that makes no sense by the way. The witching hour at midnight, the strongest night on Halloween. So you mean the day before, because it's November first now. I agree. I agree. <laughs> Halloween midnight.
0: Eh. That, on, it should, midnight. It should, on, it should be more
1: like at eleven p.m.
0: <laughs> midnight on Halloween. Well, technically November first. A turkey's trotting out like it's my time. It's my time. <laughs> you know that that one area like November first through November twenty third. It's like the turkey's <laughs> time.
1: You
0: know, everybody's like fluffing their feathers out like. I'm getting out my little pilgrims. <laughs> <laughs> you only get 20 I, I, days. I, you know so.
1: what, to be honest, I never realized that I was a pet peeve of mine until like watching this film where she just talked, "The witching hour is near. The witching it's the witching hour. It's midnight." What do you mean? It's fucking not even Halloween anymore.
0: It's over. Yeah. Go home. Yeah, I agree. Yeah. I agree. <laughs> but Adrian Barbeau, I would say that her presence here is really unnecessary. She does not add anything to the stories. Uh, Sometimes she doesn't even announce the stories. Like it's really random when they do the diegetic sound of like, yes, she's, you know, she's saying something while you're listening to a radio station or something like that. You know. That's very random when they do that. Sometimes she's just announcing. Sometimes the story does not have any narration to it. Well, they only
1: had her for like four out of the eight stories. And then they're like, oh, shit. We have more stories. And she's like, no, my contract said I only had to do four. Yeah. It's a big old four because they started
0: out with four stories to begin with. And they're like, oh, we got to pad these. We're going to get four more. These stories aren't long enough. I agree. I, I think, yeah, I think that her presence is, you know
1: unnecessary. It's, it's not the worst, rat. I think the idea is pretty good. Like, a nice Halloween radio show.
0: Where it's, like, happening in one town. Yeah. And you've got... Like, with yeah.
1: Trick or Treat. But I think if they actually expounded upon it and made her, like, actually, again, like, like, with the Warriors, actually, like, giving, like, updates on what's going on and... I think if it and was... Play, and playing more, like, having, actually, like, the radio playing, like, hearing, like, Halloween adverts, Monster Mash. Like, you know, yeah. That would make it, you know, more thematical, but...
0: I I think... Is if they were more consistent with it, it would have been more useful. But that sometimes, you know, just with stories not being announced and it just kind of rolls into the next story. Sometimes some stories feel like they're very unfinished because of that. Um, but then I also feel like it's just not consistent enough with Adrian Barboa. If you're going to use her, use her for every, you know, to bookend every story as sort of like a Crypt Keeper type thing.
1: Um, and to go off of that, too. Like a lot of these anthologies, they have an EC Comics-esque opening, and they use that to introduce all the stories. So in between each story, you don't get, like, an actual, yeah. this is what the story is. It's all in the beginning credits. Right. So if you were taking a piss during the beginning <laughs> credits or something, you don't fucking know.
0: Yeah, and I actually, I will say, as we're on that topic, I don't like that as much. No, the introduction it, 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 of the stories, like, and the directors in the beginning that. is very, you know... You, because when you're watching at the beginning, you're like, "Oh, okay." There's a story called "This is This Means War," and there's a story called "You Know the, the Ballad Tread, of King. You Know Rusty Rex" and whatever. But then when you actually get to the story, you're like, "What's this one called again?" You know what? What is? What, you're just looking for. I don't know why. I don't know why it even, even matters that much in anthologies. But you know, you're looking for that title, and I think that. So sandwiching them at the beginning of the film takes away from some of the people that worked on this too. No, like,
1: they, they should have had it during each story. Yeah. That would have been fine actually having like little credits, like had those like nice like little comic intros for each story but, and then have their yeah. own little opening credits. I think that would have been perfectly fine. Yeah, I, I, I do think that they should have split it, and especially because
0: the opening credits feel very long once you're like – if you've never seen this before – and you're watching the opening credits and you're like, oh, OK, there's a couple stories, mm-hmm. you know, like then, you know, three minutes later, you're, you're still like, watching a, the yeah. opening credits because there's eight <laughs> stories. You know, that's a long period of time to wait watching the opening credits. And that's also unfortunate because the opening credits are pretty cool with like the sort of pop up book mm-hmm. nature of it. Um, they should have interspersed those within each between each of the stories. It could have segmented them a little bit better. You could have had Adrian Barbeau talking over
1: that. And then also um, – the, the only reason I think why they didn't do it is because it, it would become like – Like, oh, it's, it's a little too cliche. To Just, introduce each story? Yeah, because yeah. it's been done – Like, again, like with every fucking anthology being named Tales, like having like these – All of this kind of stuff like based off of EC Comics at this point. It's like, yeah, that's a little cliche. Like
0: yeah, you know. I think I would rather have that though than to
1: have – the inconsistency of having Adrian. No, Barbeau, no, no. I, I you know. agree with you, but I'm thinking like, it might have been part of the thought process. Like, mm. well, fuck, you know, everyone's done this. Tales from the Dark Side, the Tales from the Crypt, yeah. Crape Show. Let's, you know.
0: let's do something a little different and yeah, have it, it all at the
1: beginning. Yeah, I guess. Even so. though this film outright homages not just different horror films, but fucking films in general. For sure. And, you know, it's not kind of weird that they wouldn't have, you know, just gone that route to begin with.
0: Yeah, I mean um, we definitely we'll, – we'll talk about this when we get into each of the individual stories. But there's so many homages, not just to horror, but there's more – there's some to Westerns and, um, you know, we'll, we'll, we'll talk about that in each Comedy's of I don't like to... The Exorcist 3. Exorcist 3. Yeah, we'll talk about that in a second. Um, all right. So we talked about Adrian Barbo. Let's get into the first story, which is called Sweet Tooth. And Sweet Tooth is about uh, a Halloween night where a kid is eating all of his Halloween candy. And then he gets upset when he's told not to eat all his Halloween candy because of a story about a kid named Sweet Tooth who this kid never got any of his Halloween candy because his parents were assholes and they took the candy away from him and ate it on him and had sex over it <laughs> and all that kind of
1: good stuff. Would that be assholes or just funny? Funny? Is that what you said? I mean, not the kid watching them have oh. sex. That's you know, terrifying, but I mean, <laughs> just like, just like, you know... The kids, ta- Yeah, taking yeah. the kid's candy away and then eating maybe it Maybe those parents don't have dental insurance for the kids. So that like, is true. They're like, can't fucking... We're you know. saving him from the orthodontist. Yeah, and like, you know, going to the dentist. Like, can't afford that. You know, saving yeah. him a lifetime of pain.
0: That's true. Maybe that's... That could be something. Or maybe they're just... Maybe they have like that fat fetish where they like to feed each other. And then, you know, have sex after. They're like, ooh, you ate so much. Ooh, your belly's all rumbly-tumbly. Yeah. <laughs> something <Yeah>. like that. <laughs> well, they're not fat. That's <laughs> nah, true. They're not. So maybe maybe not. But yeah, so the, the whole storyline is about this kid getting the story about Sweet Tooth, who um, was a kid who never got any of his Halloween candy. And so he killed his parents and ate the candy out of their intestines. Because he still wanted more candy. Which is – Absolutely
1: ridiculous! <laughs> completely and <laughs> anatomically incorrect. <laughs> I was gonna say it wasn't like at all like dissolved at that point, you know, in the stomach acid. He's like, no, oh, here's a Reese's cup. Yeah, just he's <laughs> like whole candy.
0: He's like, oh, they didn't chew it; they just swallowed it whole. Yeah, but it's not uh, like Baby Ruth is made with corn, so it's like, yep, there it still is, completely yeah. incorrect uh, anatomically. But that's okay. Uh, you kind of have to go with it. Um, so it's about this kid finding out about Sweet Tooth and then Sweet Tooth actually visits, kills his babysitter and her boyfriend who's around. They both ate way too much candy. Um, yeah, it's a, it's an interesting story. It does riff on Exorcist 3. It has some of the homages that we're talking about where um, one of them in particular is where uh, the babysitter is walking one way uh, and you're kind of seeing it. It looks like it's maybe out of a fireplace that you're yeah. seeing it, um, which this family has two fucking fireplaces uh, straight across from each other, which is ridiculous in its own right. Uh, what are they doing? Hiring your- a 16 year old babysitter. They should be hiring, you know, a full Jim, Montessori with- school or something to come in and take care of this kid. But anyway, uh she uh walks one way for the camera and then she's off screen and then she walks back another way on screen and then you see sweet tooth following her from behind and that's straight out of exorcist 3 in the very iconic scene where the nurse is walking in the hall in the hospital hallway walks into a waiting a patient's room and then comes out and then there's a uh very demonic nun behind her um now i would say that this is very much ineffective and i don't know so much that they were trying to be effective in the scare's way but uh it just I think def- it's more just
1: for the reference yeah
0: i think it's just the reference but it doesn't work as well as that exorcist 3 scene but the reference gets there i mean if you've seen exorcist 3 you know that scene uh you certainly will get it from this reference especially because the uh sweet tooth has got his arms out in the ver- very same manner as exorcist 3 um so I like that fact about this short, though, you know, that even though it's sort of cheesy and it doesn't make any sense, you know, realistically, um, I like that it's got the homage to things in there like Exorcist 3. I almost like, say trick or treat as well.
1: Sir, sure. Kind like, of so, like uh, Sweet Tooth. It's kind of like uh, Sam.
0: Yeah. You know. Comes to take your candy if you don't leave it for him and kill you in the process. So, Um yeah, Sweet Tooth. The design is fairly good, I think. Um, you don't see it, in, you know, too much, so it leaves a lot open to the the viewer. Um, and it's a nice little short that I think, it, you know, it doesn't uh, it doesn't go too far into detail. There's not a lot of characterization or anything like that. It kind of, you know, gives you what you need, and then that's it. You know, you get a short story, a little uh, a little fun Halloween myth, and and then you're on your way. Everybody's murdered. There's a little gore, uh, a little sex over Halloween candy, a little titillation, and that's it.
1: Remind, his design reminds me of like a uh, Tim Burton reject, right? Like yeah. nightmare, like a Tim Burton's. Like you're too spooky for a Nightmare Before Christmas. And then you and you said too, you didn't like like the the stripe design
0: of the the. Uh, yeah,
1: it looks like. I don't know. Like if they were trying to like. It was supposed to be like a Pennywise reference from the it, uh, TV show or what? But, I mean, it, it's not that I didn't like it. It just seems like, oh, that's weird. Because they're all like all like gray and, you know, golem and ghoulish-like. And mm. then all of a sudden they go, ah, I got these long clown arms. Yeah, I think it's
0: just like the optical illusion of the shirt. You know, stripes give you an optical illusion that it's longer. So they wanted it to seem a little otherworldly. That they've got a longer arm reach able to, you know, scratch their back better. <laughs> Leaves you uh, a little jealous. I wish I was my own personal back scratcher. All right, so, um, yeah, that's a, a fair, fair short. Sure. I think it's, you know, it's not bad. It's, you know, not the worst, not the best. We'll uh, tackle the best at the end of the show. So the next short is um, the night Billy raised hell, which is a short by Darren Lynn Bousman, um, and he. I can't is,
1: believe there's another Darren Bousman in Hollywood.
0: Where he was like, you know what? I've got to use Lynn. Bro. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> or maybe he just has, like, maybe he just likes Lynn uh, as the the middle his middle name. The way it rolls off the tongue, Darren Lynn.
1: I don't know, but it just like blows my mind. Like maybe oh. he's from South Carolina. But <laughs> there's someone out there, like nope. Someone else already has their sad card on Darren Bowsman. Darren Bowsman, yeah. Don't use my name. Um, So
0: Night Billy Raised Hell is um, a comedic one that's sort of in the vein of skits that we see from like Tim and Eric or Portlandia where it has the cartoonish sound effects. Um, The one that stands out to me the most is when they have the eyebrow raising and there's a little xylophone playing. Um, that Tex Avery
1: cartoon, you know,
0: (laughs) yeah, it's very cartoonish in the way that it's portrayed, but it's not intentional. This uh, short is not really meant to be scary. It's not a horror short by any means. Definitely going from the comedy aspect of it. And, um, you know, it follows Billy, who is a little kid dressed up like the devil, who is tasked with egging an old man's house who doesn't decorate for Halloween by his sister and her boyfriend. Uh, and it, then he ends up finding out that,
1: you know, that neighbor really is the devil. I just hate the fact that he went up to the doorstep to throw the egg instead of, you know, where he originally was standing. Like, he's like, oh, I'm going to throw it right at the doorstep as a door.
0: Yeah. There's a reason why you call it hucking an egg. You know, you want, you want it to, you want to be a distance away. And also because. And that you, way you can get, be fleet footed and get a getaway. That's right. You can boot scoot and boogie out of there. <laughs>
1: You don't need to get caught doing that. But instead, you know what? He gets kidnapped. The best part about that, though, is when he goes to throw the eight. the guy comes out. And yeah. as he's throwing the eight, grabs it from his hand and he just yucks it at that fucking shitbag punk, uh, you know, boyfriend and hits him with it. It uh, hits him so hard with it. He knocks him on his ass. You know, a lot of it didn't of, break. It just hits him. A, on, lo-
0: you- a lot of the short reminds me of like both Will Ferrell and Elf. Because, like, I just imagine, you know, that scene where he's, like, got – he's, like, snowball machine. Mm-hmm. Basically, like, a, a pitching machine. Um, not only that, but then the Grinch as well. Like, because the devil is very much like Will um, Jim Carrey where he's, like, go, uh, roaming around on Halloween night when there's trick-or-treaters on. He's like,
1: Ee-hee-hee! It's like, yeah. the He's like, woo!
0: Boo! Um, so there's that comic aspect to it that uh, really stands out. And so – Little Billy is unfortunately kidnapped, and his sister and boyfriend and her boyfriend are just kind of like,
1: eh, "Fuck him."
0: I guess, I guess that's it. <laughs> Bye, Billy. Um, we'll see you never. It's okay. The devil says he's going to show him what a real prank. That's right. About. He's going to show him a prank. So the whole short is about us seeing like Billy going around, or the devil and a kid dressed as Billy going around on Halloween night and doing all kinds of evil antics there. Um, you know, they're ringing doorbells on dentists and stabbing the dentist with a toothbrush.
1: Well, cause uh, he gave him, uh, he asked for candy and he got dental floss instead. So mm-hmm. the proper course of action is to shiv the dentist. That's right. What else are you going to do? You give him fluoride. <laughs> I don't think
0: so. Um, there's, then he goes around and he's, you know, he trips,
1: like, trips children with dental floss, flaw- right. dental floss, yeah. and then holds them up at gunpoint. Rob their candy. I think the main
0: standout, though, is that they just keep going back to those cartoony sound effects, which are just so ridiculous. Like, twing, they like actually, twing. you know, work really well in this. Um, yeah, you mentioned the uh, devil is sitting around in the backseat of a
1: car, listening to rap while eating KFC. I know you think like you know he's the devil. He's be out like drinking a forward. What is it, Japanese or something? Smoking a joint or something? No, he's in the back drinking a big gulp and uh, he got a bucket of KFC only in his the, lap.
0: Only the Japanese celebrate major holidays with KFC. <laughs>
1: <laughs> Merry Christmas.
0: <laughs> <laughs> um, but this is—I think this is probably one of the better shorts in this. Um, this film just because it is very comical. It has those ridiculous cartoony sound effects.
1: You know, they go running over people like it's twisted metal. Yeah. And yeah. then they run to Adrian Curry for some reason. Yeah. So that's a really weird reference. I,
0: I honestly, I'll admit I didn't really get it. And I, I kind of thought they were just making a riff on Adrian Barbeau. So they use Adrian as a name. But I, because I didn't really no, recognize. No, but they it's and like, Curry.
1: yo, you're Adrian Curry. How many followers on Twitter do you have? Five hundred thousand. You get five hundred thousand a one. Yeah, I didn't. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I just didn't
0: really get that reference. I mean, maybe I'm. it's kind of a dated reference too. It's it's
1: weird. Well, it's I don't like, know. Like, I feel like, like I was telling you, I'm like, I feel like, like the last I heard about Adrian Curry is like back in two thousand seven. Yeah, it's just... And now, like, eight years later, you're telling me she's got a cameo in this movie, and the devil's like, I'm gonna... F- you know
0: what really has a cameo? It's her cleavage.
1: Her cleavage has the cameo. Oh, yeah. It's all it's about the boobies. just put, What? What? What was she wearing? Like, a, like, the bunny outfit? I felt like it was... Like a
0: Snow White outfit or something. I don't know. It was it was. Oh no! You know what? It had like a cape and stuff. It was kind of like
1: a witchy outfit. I didn't know it was like like the traditional like you know when you see like an eighties anime like the girl in the bunny suit. With yeah, like the, no, you
0: know. no. It she definitely had like sort of wings or something because when she lifted up her arms, there was like they were attached. Oh, she's so was, like
1: a dark stalker. Yeah, character. so it was like sort of like a bat maybe or something. I don't know. Sexy bat. I don't know. It was just weird because like when she's like, "You're Adrian Curry," I'm like, "That is Adrian Curry." I I didn't. That
0: (laughs) totally missed me. Because it's not like she's in any horror films. No, I I (laughs) didn't really get that reference. You think
1: John Landis just called up and he's like... Put Adrian Curry in there. Put Adrian Curry in there. Yeah. I didn't get that reference. Yeah, he likes to talk to her.
0: But the the payoff on this is pretty good, actually, I think. Um, When when Devil gets back home and they've caused enough mischief, uh, you find out that Billy hasn't actually been doing the mischief. It's like one of the Devil's minions. And Billy is sort of sent out afterwards as he's been held hostage, and he doesn't know any of this has occurred. And the devil's just like, "Yeah, have fun at home. You know, there's going to be people waiting for you there,
1: and your mom's going to have a lot of free time now." Yeah, la, 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 you know. Yeah, apparently
0: Billy's mom is really hot. We don't get to see her though. Well, the devil's constantly referencing
1: going muff diving. There,
0: so <laughs> yeah. We don't get to see her, which is unfortunate. it have been
1: great when he's doing the, you know, that like they had like a nice like submarine sound of him going down, like, you know,
0: oh, the, the pinging the sonar, yeah, <laughs> yeah. Um, but I think this one is a is a pretty good. You know, Andy pisses pants at the end. Uh, that is true too. Yeah, he pisses his pants. Billy
1: pisses. Captain pisses pants. Yeah.
0: But I think this is one of the better shorts of this film. Um, it doesn't, you know, it's not the normal. Uh, I guess the normal tone of a Halloween anthology film, but uh, I think it does what it does rather well. And part of that is just whoever decided to do those cartoony sound effects. It's a big choice because they didn't have any
1: budget for make. For regular That's sound. true too. Maybe, maybe, no, they, maybe they're like the Italians. They shot it all and without sound. Like we're just going to. There's it no over.
0: Dolby sound effects, guys. We're down just, there being like we're just going to dub it over later. Yeah. We'll just do all it. they had was like balloons. A sound,
1: like radio soundboard where it's just like you know yeah stock <laughs> stock
0: yeah. sounds yeah and then potato chips for crunching leaves and <laughs> and uh, a couple of balloons that's all that's all they had but the Billy the night Billy Ray show I think is one of the better shorts in this one uh, the next one that we go on to is called Trick and this is the one where the kids mm-hmm. attack back um, so. I would say that a majority of Halloween stories deal with trick-or-treaters who are actually murderous asshole kids. Uh, There's a lot of stories that do this type of thing. Unsuspecting
1: parents at home and giving just the kindness of their heart, giving out this candy to children and getting, like, that poor dentist shiv. Yeah, just all of a sudden,
0: out of nowhere, these kids are like, you know what, fuck it, I'm doing a trick. And they're going to... you know, they kill, the, they kill the the people who are giving out candy.
1: Now, apparently these kids, no one knows what a trick actually is. Shiving somebody, it's not a trick. It's more a surprise motherfucker. Yeah, right. You know, I mean, what's the trick in that, you know? Yeah.
0: There's,
1: um, there's no art. There's no tech to it, you know? To, yeah.
0: Uh, the trick in this one is that um, they actually know the reason why these people are being targeted. And so the trick... Because they're stoners.
1: Yeah, they're stoners. These, these four assholes just sitting about in, on Halloween fucking smoking dope. And drinking rum and uh, apple cider. Gotta try that. Classic. I haven't had it. I wonder how that is. It's like a hot toddy, but just not hot. I mean, you can have it both ways. Oh, is that what a hot toddy yeah, is? Basically. Apple cider, warm cider, and... Mold cider and uh, rum, yeah. Oh, what the hell is mold
0: cider? Like cinnamon and... Mold all together. Mold. You know. Like no. given time like tea, given time to steep. I just learned a mold. new, just learned a new word. Mold. Just learned a new word. Uh yeah, so that's a hot toddy. So if you have it cold, I mean it's basically like that, but cold. It's good. It's good. I think you made me a hot toddy once. Probably. You know, you can always just do fireball insider. No, that's just
1: that's just for poor people.
0: <laughs> so, uh, yeah, so we get to meet these pe- these four guys who are – four four people who are two friends. Go- two men, two women. Two men, two women. We're sitting around. They're watching Night of the Living Dead, which is kind of a recurring theme throughout Tales of the Halloween. Now,
1: I think they were at the part where the nice good old sheriff is like, put one in between the eyes. Yep. Throw that one in the fire. Yeah. And uh, –
0: so they're watching. Uh, they're watching *Night of the Living Dead* and uh, answering the door and giving trick or treaters candy. And then all of a sudden, uh, the trick or treaters attack back.
1: Say the little girl from Holla, uh, *Hocus Pocus* stabs the guy. Yeah.
0: <laughs> um, and so you're kind of watching as they're you know getting viciously murdered in their home. And then you are slowly finding out via cell phone that they're not as innocent as they appear to be, in that the gruesomeness of Their phones actually contains all the evil things that they've been doing to little kids, uh, you know, and documenting
1: with pictures. I just love the fact that when they're all dead, except the one girl, she's cowering. She's like deleting the photos like, you know, like. AT&T doesn't have that on a fucking backup server, and so, Apple doesn't have that on a backup yeah, server So You
0: can just see it go through her head. She's like, I'd love to call 911, but i got to get rid of these pictures first.
1: I love the fact that they tied up some girl, carved her eye out, left her strapped to the table. She's still alive. And they're like, <laughs> can you know what time it is? Time to, you know, smoke some blood, smoke yeah. some doobies. And then and trick-or-treat. Tr- trick will give out yeah, some candy. You know.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I kinda, I like the idea of this. Um, I feel like they were a little too scared to go the more, like, realistic route and have them just be pedophiles. You know, like, that would be the more realistic route of the idea behind this. Uh, it, it's wouldn't,
1: not, well, it wouldn't really fit with the overall tone. Yeah, but I mean, like,
0: I feel like that's what they, what the storyline wanted to do. And... Yet they were like, well, you know what? It's Halloween. It requires more gore. So we're going to do this instead. And so they, basically it turns out to be that they just like mutilating little kids and taking pictures of it. Either way, though, it's a it's an interesting idea. And I think it works out pretty well. The gore effects are pretty good. And um, it definitely reminds me of something like the film, like, Who Can Kill a Child? Which basically just has a town that is, or children of the corn that has been taken over by kids who they have to then – Get out of. How dare you? What? There's nothing like children of the corn. I did not once hear
1: Malachi! Malachi.
0: Well, just the idea of children taking over.
1: Um, which scares I was thinking, a lot of baby I was, boomers. I was thinking more Saw 3 with like how the sterile, sterile hospital of the person. That's what I was thinking. Yeah, right. That too. Yeah. I mean, I, I think it's a cool, nifty idea. I, th- I, th- I think they just didn't have enough time really to. Too much with it. I definitely feel like they should
0: bring back the the children taking over thing, though,
1: because it does scare a lot of baby boomers. Well, guess what? They're we're not children anymore. They're your future. We're fucking almost yeah. forward, getting creeping on forty. I now. do. I, I like that idea, though. <laughs> Who can kill a child? By the way,
0: pretty pretty interesting movie. Was it like Italian? Yeah, it is actually. It's fucking figured. <laughs> <laughs> it's a pretty good movie, though. Who can kill a child? All right, so the next uh, installment is called The Week in the Wicked. And this one is uh, basically a Western-style Halloween uh, um short. A lot of the shots rip from Once Upon a Time in the West. For sure. Um, it's about, like, this gang that roams
1: around on a Halloween night. Um, which, this is one where we first get our little update from Adrian Barbeau, DJ Barbeau, saying... Watch out for those hood rats. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, hood rats. Um,
0: th- so it involves this gang that roams around, sort of terrorizing everybody on Halloween night, led by uh, a f- female, no less. Um, her name's Alice, and she's a badass with tattoos and smokes a st- s- nice st-
1: stogie. Yeah, which and, and, and which I told you, I'm like, that's bullshit. Look at her teeth; she's never smoked before. Her teeth are so white. And um, eventually minions, one's fucking Jay and the other one's not Silent Bob.
0: (laughs) Eventually they run into this guy who's dressed all in, you know, armor and uh, wearing a ridiculous like monster costume. And uh, he basically he leads them on a BMX chase set to. What I can only imagine is like Trapped Alive or something. So one of those bands, like hardcore bands. Typo negative. Something. No, no, no. For <laughs> no, this is more like um, like hardcore, like down-tuned hardcore, um, like Trapped Alive or something like that. I'm, that's what I'm guessing. I haven't looked at the soundtrack, but it sounds very similar to Trapped Alive. Um, so there's like a BMX
1: chase. Which that uh, part's really like parkour, uh, really like uh, the warrior and Death Wish. Ask you know, yeah. getting chased through the c- city like that. Yeah, uh,
0: eventually leads to a burnt out trailer that hasn't been moved in like twelve
1: years or however long. Kind of a long. weird spot for a trailer. Weird. Yeah. How the hell did the cops not see that and be like, citing you for a violation for not fucking moving this thing? You have a permit to have that. Not here? only
0: that, but where are they emptying their
1: septic? It's, like, in
0: the middle of an alleyway. It's probably not a sewer system there. So, uh, yeah, yeah, but he leads him to this trailer, and then you get a little flashback of, uh,
1: like, h- news
0: headlines and things like that. As sort it's sort of, insane, like,
1: insane. These very in-your-face. These kids back when they are five years old burn this trailer down. <laughs> that little
0: five-year-old girl <laughs> who plays Alice is hilarious, just, like, grinning. From ear to ear she's about some, burning down I know, a trailer. She's got such a
1: baby fan on her cheeks, too. There's
0: such a grin on her face of, like, yeah, I just killed two people in their trailer. Um, And so, yeah, so basically this is his revenge story. And he calls on a, the demon of All Hallows' Eve to come and murder
1: everybody he's else. Got a, he's got a uh, page from the Book of the Dead, except it's not written in uh, Ancient Sumerian. Yeah, it's not written on skin, either. I don't know. I I I, I do like. Um, I don't like the story. I think it's stupid. <laughs> but here's the, the big crux of it all. I like how it's shot. I love the western homages. Again, a lot of the shots when you see the, like the three of them lined up looking at him and stuff. Straight from Once Upon a Time in the West when Bronson's you know in the opening staring down the three guys. Right? Looks like we're one horse shy. <laughs> You know, that's what that's a lot like. And then the whole chasing shit's very Warriors-esque. Yeah. So, I mean, like, from a production standpoint and the way it's shot, really cool. I really like those homages. They're really weird. I mean, the Warriors <laughs> makes more sense than, like, Once Upon a Time in the West. Yeah, for, uh, for a Halloween anthology, it's a little yeah. strange. But, I mean, I think the only reason I can think of is well, Dario Gento co-wrote the screenplay. Right. That's the only thing I can think of. Mm. But, I mean... Literally on the base bones of what the plot is, it's fucking s- dumb as shit. However, I think the way it's shot and presented, it does make for a fun story. Yeah, it's a fun story. You're right. The storyline is actually
0: really dumb. It doesn't like there's and and, it, and it's slow paced. It doesn't really make a whole lot of sense. But but from just picking out what you see there in the homages and the in the because it's the,
1: literally like again like P- when Peter Fonda's like you know killing uh, Bronson's brother. And instead of the harmonica being the bit that he uses as a symbol, this time it's a fucking locket or pocket watch or whatever. You know, and then he's like, oh, I remember you, you know.
0: Yeah. And then there's the, you know, the whole um, eye shots. There's a lot of mm-hmm. eye shots. Um, I think it's it's effective. Like somebody was very knowledgeable about, you know, how to shoot that stuff. Um, it, I, I just think that it's unfortunate that it was at the expense of story. But, you know, it works
1: out. It, in some ways, um, well, no one's ever no one's ever going to say Sergio Leone's films are full of depth in the story department. Also true. Also <laughs> true. Um, so, I mean, I think this one is um,
0: the stronger parts of it are just because of its f- photography. It's uh, and the homages, yeah. Weird, strange, but you know the Western style is is a nice touch, and it gives it a little bit of a change up to what you get throughout, you know, as a Halloween story. So, interesting. Interesting that they went in that direction. Uh, the next one is called Grim Grinning Ghost. Um, and this one
1: is... the shortest
0: one. What? Probably the shortest one. probably the shortest one. Probably the shortest one and also feels like the least effective um, in general because it feels like it's very... Um, I don't know. Very. I don't don't know what the right word to describe it
1: is, but it's it just doesn't have a lot of oomph to it. It's literally just like, oh, I'm telling fortunes, and ooh, and then the lady goes to leave, and then she's walking, she's getting stalked down, gets home, and she's killed. Yeah, it's it's
0: you know she's she gets this story about you know this this uh, woman on Halloween night. and her name is Mary, and it's sort of like Bloody Mary. And, you know, Lynn Shays tells a story at the Halloween party. You know, Mick Garris is there. Little references in there. And then she walks home, and she's stalked by this ghost, which the stalking element, I think, is actually pretty effective. The ghost just kind of, like, in in the distance, in... um. You know, kind of in shadow, in the fog, uh, also blurry. I think that makes it a little bit more effective as you see her kind of stalking the girl. Um, and then she gets home and there's no one there. And then eventually she settles down with her cat and the girl is actually in her house. And that's it. And it really feels like a wasted development because you have all that tension of the stalking and it's not really – you. all the payoff is is a jump scare at the end. You don't get anything else. Um, and it just feels like it has the least amount of depth to it. There's just not much here to, you know, cement the story as something memorable in the film.
1: It's, uh, it's kind of like, uh, like it's a film school project. Everyone turned their projects in like, I didn't have enough. To, I didn't shoot enough. And your professor's like, Oh Fuck. Yeah. He didn't do enough. I explicitly
0: uh, remember you saying that's it. You know, as it cut to black, that's it? That's the end of it.
1: Because there are some... Because out of out of this like six minute story, four of the minutes are listening to uh, Lynn Chase sit there babbling on and then it's, it's just two minutes of the talking. Yeah. Which was interesting, but you know, it's like oh, that's it. Just yeah. a jump scare.
0: Yeah, that's 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 the payoff. And I think too, um, the the black cut is sort of throughout many of these shorts the black cut is sort of like um just a jump in time like you know the uh, ellipses to, to get you to the next segment of that short so the black cut doesn't really seem like it would be the end of that short and yet it is it and so i think that even gives it a lot, like a little bit less umph to it because you're expecting something after that black cut and there isn't and it just goes on to the next story and it feels like a you know wasted amount of time that you just spent on that. I think this one maybe, it's may be probably the weakest uh-huh it's probably the weakest It's probably the weakest. I think just because you know it does have an interesting idea but it doesn't really go anywhere with it. it doesn't get to any point and it really loses it at the end of the story. should have just done a little bit more could have made it a little bit more effective. Uh, The next one is called Ding Dong by Lucky McKee, and uh, this is about a couple who um, are upset because they can't have a baby. And I should say, not the couple per se, but just Bobby, um, who you looked up, is played by the same woman who played Jadis in The Walking Dead, Pollyanna McIntosh. Um, And this is sort of uh, has vibes of Hansel and Gretel, um, especially with their costumes. Uh, Bobby seems to be a witch. Jack is like dressed up as Hansel. And the story just follows them as they go through various, you know, two Halloweens, one where she's very upset that she can't have kids. The next one where she's, she's committed to doing Halloween and trick or treat dressed up as a witch. And it keeps flashing to her as sort of like this, uh, devilish character who um is abusive to her her husband and uh the reveal is that he actually had a vasectomy which is why they can't have kids. Uh I think he did it afterwards though. So. After they f- first tried and couldn't yeah. have yeah, and then he was like, "You know what? I don't want to bring kids into this world when you're going to be manipulative and an asshole to them." So, um So she ends up cooking him alive. Well, she was constantly rubbing her boobies the entire time. Yeah, this is where, you know, this is where the balloon sound effects really get into, you know. Somebody really had a fun time rubbing Mm -hmm. balloons together. Because every time she adjusts her little push-up bra for her witch costume, which is kind of strange because why does she need to emphasize her boobs for for trick-or-treaters? Unless she's, you know, saying, "Hey, look at this milk factory." <laughs> um, I think this short is is okay. I, I don't really like it too much. Um,
1: I I didn't get it. Was she like has a taking the kids like is already cooking them or has a weird vibe? I just don't you know like it's not clear. Like it seems like she's like luring them in, but she's not like.
0: Yeah, I just think that it's, you know, that struggle to get pregnant and she's abusive to her husband in the meantime because of that. And, you know, there's I think the it's a metaphorical idea of, you know, being witchy and, you know, but I, at the same time, I think that it's too it plays it too loose. This is one of those stories that could have used a little bit more time to flesh things out. Um, in this case, it relies on sort of like the viewer to put it all together and I don't know
1: that you can with uh, everything that's presented to you. They did like the nice comedy route of, like, when she's turning on the oven and it goes to 666 degrees. Ooh. You know. And, Very hot. And then when the husband gets shoved in there, it's like a fucking bad, like, Tim and Eric bit where,
0: you know. The like, oven ter- transforms into, <laughs> like, a crematorium. Yeah,
1: like, Ahh! you know, it looks like real chintzy and shit. Like World's largest. Like, tin foil was convection used as the, as, oven. As, as, like the background. Yeah. <laughs>
0: Yeah, I don't. I think this is an it's an okay story, but I don't. I don't think. I, it's wonder, that if they, I wonder if they're ripping on Debbie Harris from Tales from the Dark Side. Yeah, right. Cooking, you know. cooking that kid. Yeah, I, I don't. I don't think it's that great. Um, it's. I get it. I understand the idea. I just think it could have used a little bit more time to flesh things out. Uh, the next one is called "This Means War." And it's about two rival Halloween decorators, one from the old school, one from the new school of
1: thrash. And uh, right, time out. Thrash is not new school. Been around since like the early 80s.
0: Compared to this man's Elvis Presley, yeah, it's new school. <laughs> it's just
1: like funny, like, ooh, these, these fucking kids, these hooligans, and it's like, they're fucking like 40-year-old dudes like... it's
0: true it's great but they're they're fighting over their their halloween displays because one has a very classic display one has a very gory and outlandish display and uh they both get into a fight over it because they're neighbors and you know what i think that boris is just upset that uh the other guy has a very uh, has a wife that likes to flaunt her assets around that's
1: not i would say that wasn't one of the, probably the best lines in the fucking film was him saying it's after midnight it's after dark close up the dairy <laughs> um this
0: is a really inane skit um it i think it's it's kind of funny especially as you get older and you have neighbors and stuff who kind of, and like for me as well, I kind of relate to it because I do. I like to do the scarier element to Halloween, and so a lot of people kind of don't like that because they feel like that's scaring their kids. Their kids are going to have nightmares. You know, they're you're setting them up for a bad night on well,
1: Halloween. Well, You know what? Here's the thing: those parents, they're just lying. They're not afraid that their kids are going to be traumatized and scared. They just don't want to fucking listen to it. Right. That's true. And, and you that's know, true. They're like, they're like, I swear to God, they're not mad like, oh, little Billy's scared. He's like, if I got to fucking listen all night to my kids screaming, I'm going to, you know. And you know what? You've got to put up with that because
0: the a healthy, a healthy relationship with Halloween is that you're scared and then you find out that it's fun. It's fun to be scared.
1: Well, as I was say, we got um, people were asking because around here, it's going to rain on Halloween and people are worried about like, is trick or treat still going to go on? And we had it, our mayor had to post on Facebook saying, "Of course, it's fucking still going on. It's it, Halloween. It's Halloween. We do it on Halloween. We've done it through snow, rain, sleet, whatever. It's does like, it's going on Halloween." Yep, builds character.
0: <laughs> That's right. So this is this means war. I kind of get that. I get I get like the old school versus new school, uh, clashing together. You know, what's the more effective? Um, and it's kind of funny because it all ends in violence. Uh, with both of them dying uh, on their, to ha- pu- I was say he had to push that guy pretty damn hard to you know for them both to be impaled through yeah. that stake. And the, and the idea is that you know both of them end up with a grisly death. That's a perfect display for Halloween. It's great. I know for years to
1: come, like you know, everybody's going to remember that. I don't know that one guy like that. It's like the more traditional. For some reason, he made me think like kind of looks like Patton Oswalt. Kind of, yeah, Just a little bit, you yeah, know. yeah. I I mean. I think this one's a fun
0: one. Um, it's not my favorite of the the stories, but I think that it works.
1: Uh, I, th- I think it's nice because we see so often Christmas films. You know, people fighting over yeah, the it decora- does. It does deco- remind you of decorations like and shit. So it's yeah. like kind of like you know, sort of
0: like deck the halls for Halloween or uh, Christmas with the cranks, yep. or you know, yeah, the competing. You know, my, my display's got to be better. Or jingle all the way. You, you definitely know. get that from that. Yeah. I like that, yeah. So,
1: yeah, it's, I, I did like that because it's like, oh, it's like taking that, like, Christmas movie element where you usually have, like, a asshole, you know, just think of Phil Hartman and jingle all the way, like, I'm going to bake cookies for your wife and put up the lights. Yeah. it's good. May you rest in
0: peace. <laughs> uh, the next one is Friday the 31st, or should I say, Tweet-a-tweet. <laughs> This one uh, riffs off of Friday the Thirteenth, obviously in the name, uh, where you get like the little reveals of like the beheaded person in the shack, and you have the Friday the Thirteenth esque Jason
1: killer. It's kind of like the Geico commercial, where you know, oh yeah, like, where they're like, I- we're
0: gonna hide behind the chainsaws and yeah. stuff like that. Yeah, oh. it is very similar to that. Yeah, um, but the real, re- the unexpected part of it is that the whole alien UFO thing that that uh, comes about after that whole uh slasher element has taken place where the UFO comes down and drops a very like uh claymation element um alien who, not
1: there it is. Uh, it's kinda yeah. weird that they did that. Who weird uh, choice.
0: <laughs> all he says is Twinkle tweet. Um and then sort of morphs into the dead girl's body. After, well, after uh
1: Jason's brother steps on him. Uh, it's a, great, too, because I keep saying trick or tree He's like, I don't fucking yeah, fuck I don't know. I don't know. Whatever. You do god got, got anything. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so then it turns into
0: sort of like an army of darkness type. Uh, Slugfest between yeah.
1: the two. Between the girl who's dressed like Dorothy, who's now possessed by an alien uh, being, and Jason sitting there, you know, having at it by chopping each other's limbs off and just blood spraying everywhere Yeah, there's a
0: mix of real blood spurting and then CGI effects at the end. CGI effects never look good for blood. But the uh, really fake, like Saturday Night Live spurting blood elements are pretty funny. I like that. And uh, the Evil Dead references with like the green eyes and floating zombie woman and stuff like that, those are really good. I think this is uh, one of the more effective pieces of it um, just because it runs with the homage and. You know, it's not afraid to go in unexpected routes with the alien. It's an interesting idea. Yeah, because aliens are kind of like... um, Aliens are
1: Halloween-esque. Yeah, and they don't get their... They get short shrift on Halloween, They do. I mean, because if you think about a lot of sci-fi films of the 50s are... You know, with aliens, but they're also horror, they're also horror films because it's all about, you know, the invaders coming to get us. You know, like we were talking about like all the Hey Arnold, like spooky episodes, not necessarily Halloween episodes, but their first Halloween episode involves them all getting dressed up looking like aliens. And then Orson Welles impersonating, like, you see, aliens are real.
0: <laughs> yeah, it's, uh, you know, aliens, they don't show up a lot in Halloween movies. So it's good to see that
1: interesting uh, change. I liked it. I liked it. I definitely, I think they hit that, you know, Army of Darkness uh, Evil Dead aspect quite well, you know. You'd almost think, like, Sam Raimi was working, you know. Mm-hmm. Giving, like, do this, do it's that. True. You Yeah. Know.
0: I did that well. Uh, the next one is called The Ransom of Rusty Rex, and this one is similar in idea to the, ba- the Billy one. The uh, Night Billy raised hell. Except... Um, in this case, it's about two guys who plan on kidnapping a little kid and holding him ransom for money. And they end up getting more than they bargained for because that little kid is actually like an imp who likes to run around and make mischief, make mischief and eat things. And uh, the previous owner of said imp is the, no the other than John Landis. <laughs> And it's funny because John Landis in this one doesn't want this kid back. And I imagine that's the same he feels about Max Landis, you, say, his you sexual that, say, rapist uh, son. I was say, do you think that was like the... The intent of like, yeah, you take that in back, yeah. Maybe the subliminal intent. I don't think John Landis would probably admit to that. But yeah, that's that's my idea. I think that th- this was all about Max Landis and be like, yeah, my kid's a fucking rapist asshole.
1: That's That's Rusty Rex. Um, I mean it's funny because he's like t- as they're like talking like we want five million Benjamins for him nope <laughs> just yeah. hangs up they call back like you don't understand we have your son ransom yeah I don't care don't ever talk to <laughs> me again. yeah
0: <laughs> don't crawl here again yeah it's a good short I, th- I think this one is um this is a fun one it has it you know what it makes use of the saw factory uh you get that nice little factory uh area that they are staying in um and uh, also, it's sort of like the um, idea of, like, getting rid of something that just keeps coming back. Um, you
1: know, like... They throw him in a tar pit? Yeah. I think that that's what it looked like, a tar like pit. a
0: swamp or a tar pit or something like that. And he comes back. They burn him on John
1: Landis' doorstep. <laughs> he comes back. Um, I was hoping for him to come running out and, like, stomp on him. i like, it's poop again! Yeah. <laughs> Uh, I, yeah, I
0: think it's a pretty good one. Um, I like the imp thing, and uh, they do a pretty good job with it. The actors are good in this one. Now, tales, tales of Halloween has some really hit or miss acting, um, but I think this one's pretty good. And uh, the final reveal at the end that you know he's he's still back again, and you're stuck with him. He ate Dutch. It's pretty good. Yeah, Dutch. <laughs> yeah, I, I I like this one. I think this one is uh one of the more effective pieces in it. Uh, funny, but also has that gore element to it. Um, yeah, it's a good one. Finally, the last...
1: I know, it does feel exhausting. Just I
0: mean, we've talked about a lot here. Um, the last story in this is called Bad Seed. And this one is about a killer bumpkin. A killer jack-o'-lantern. Uh, where a guy carves this jack-o'-lantern, which I don't believe for a second. I think he was trying to pull a fast one on his wife
1: because there is
0: no way, like, you look at that pumpkin and you know immediately that's a plastic pumpkin.
1: I was just disgusted by the fact they showed him, like, throwing the seeds out close up, like, you know, the close up on, like, the seeds and the goop, you know. It makes you gross. Yeah, it's like, like, yeah, I hate that part. It's like the worst part of, like, carving up pumpkins is, like, the fucking seeds and all the goop and shit in there. Mm, I don't mind it, but sticky. And it smells. Sticky smells. smells like ass.
0: But uh, this pumpkin actually grows a few Japanese hentai-related <laughs> tentacles and crawls away after killing this guy. And uh, then you bring in the world's best detective, McNally, McNally on the case. Um, <laughs> again, I feel like, you know, it's so comical. This is, this is an homage to, like, detective shows of, like, you know, McNally's, like, there's no one that could solve this but McNally. McNally's the only one. Her and her leather jacket. Tight jeans. Tight jeans, and, and
1: yeah. If the guy that looks like the like the low-rent American version of uh, the guy from Shaun of the Dead. Yep. I got that idea, too. Yep. Simon Pegg. Simon Pegg, yep. just like Looks very similar to him, especially
0: yeah. as he's running up sort of yeah. like Shaun of the Dead style with yeah. his tie askew. Yeah. <laughs>
1: yeah. And I was thinking hot paws as well, like, you know, like throwing, like, a shotgun. Yeah, out.
0: that's definitely what I got from that, too. Like, it, I think it... it Probably if we're both getting it, I think that was probably the intention there. Yeah. But uh yeah, this uh Seed sort there's actually it's kinda of funny, there's an actual Dean Koontz story that is called the Black Pumpkin or something like that. And it's very similar to this story, but <laughs> plays it serious. Um But and that's why he hasn't gotten a movie yet. But he's had plenty of movies. Dean Koontz? They've gone to theater? Uh Thomas. Phantoms, the bad seed, literally. This, this <laughs> short is called Bad Seed, but there is one
1: <laughs> called The Bad Seed. Well, how would I know? They're not like Stephen King because he's just like Stephen King on Dean Coonsies. They don't go, yeah, a, Coonsie, yeah, no, that's a true. Coonsie story,
0: but he's had a few, yeah. Uh, but yeah, the B- bad seed is certainly meant to be sort of comedic. It play it really plays up like the detective role of, Man, uh, McNally. pumpkin
1: also looks a lot like something from like, uh, Little Shop of Horrors. Yep, Little Shop of Horrors. I also got sort of
0: like a goosebumps vibe from it too. You know, like so ridiculously comical
1: that it's from goosebumps. I do love that they have the wife describing to the artist. <laughs> yes, yeah, it's a great moment. It's all is like a crayon giant like <laughs> pumpkin. Like, and you'll shit. never believe this. And, and then, I mean, I measured out the bite. And it's going to be this big, you know, like, and then he's like, he pulls out a plastic thing. It's like yeah, this it, big. It's like we have a, a 3D printer printed. Yeah, it. And it matches. My God. <laughs> yeah.
0: yeah. It does play point. it up. I like how it plays it up so seriously, but it obviously isn't intentionally comedic. But they needed like the law and order
1: music, like to kick
0: in like, bang, oh, yeah, like, bang, yeah, like bang, bang, bang. just like the location too, like, uh, like, you know, like, <laughs> bang, you know, yeah, like. Collins Avenue dun, dun. uh yeah, that, yeah but it's they do a really good job and not only that but there's a Halloween 3 reference as well Clover Corporation is the the uh factory that's been churning out these super pumpkins and uh you know <laughs> that is great
1: I mean how many pumpkins can there be and they're looking like my god, it's my god just like this, this endless field of-
0: thousands of super pumpkins uh but yeah obviously reference to Silver Shamrock but um I think this is another good one where, you know, they play up the comic aspect of it and they obviously are not going for the seriousness, but they're playing it so serious that you you can't help it, but
1: laugh. Yeah, it makes it great. Hey, think you can buy me that drink? Yeah. Sometime later, I'll buy you that drink. Then later on, after he shows up on the scene, toss that shotgun in time to blow away that pumpkin. So how about that drink? Thought you'd never ask. <laughs>
0: All right, so what would you say is the best short in this film?
1: Ah, um, oh God, um, either Bad Seed or either Bad Seed or Friday the Thirty First. Mm-hmm. Those are my two favorite. Third would be um, the uh, Wild, uh, the Once Upon a Time in the West, the Week in the Wicked. Yeah, the Week in yeah. the Wicked. Um, those would be my top three.
0: I would say probably my favorites are. I actually made a list, I think, before on Coltsploitation, but maybe um, it could be different now. I think mine are the Night Billy Raised How, um, Friday the 31st, and Trick. I like Trick a lot as well, like with that thematic resonance of kid-killing people getting their comeuppance on Halloween night. Um, all right, so we got to give this uh, film a rating as well. We picked our favorite, but we got to give it a rating. Um, on a scale of 0 to 10, anatomically incorrect candy-filled intestines.
1: <laughs> what would you That's give? That's a good one. I was going to go with uh, big gulps and KFC. Oh, there you go. Yeah, that one
0: too.
1: Uh, what would you give Tales of Halloween? I'd give it six and a half. Um, it's fun there's a lot of fun to be had with it I think though the fact that there's eight stories makes it for a very hit or miss experience I actually do enjoy the fact that there's so many short stories it makes it a lot easier to watch and a lot easier to get through Um, it's definitely like you know a Breath of Fresh air compared to like earlier when we were watching like Black Sabbath which only had four and you're watching like the Word of Lock and you're like when the fuck is this gonna happen you know yeah. and it's dragging on forever here you know everything's so breakneck that it gives you a nice breath of fresh air and something different thematically and stylistically to go off of um, that even though the ones that are kind of crappy, you're not, it's not gonna piss you off about cause they're so short and so sweet and going on to the next one it becomes out of sight, out of mind honestly, if I had to remember all eight of the story names I wouldn't be able to do it for you right now but um <laughs> For like a director video, I mean you can tell in the budget that it's not you know, a high budget film. I think they did an admirable job. I think there's a lot of love put into this project, especially with all the people within the horror genre that they got to work on this film. Um it's a good film, but I think it does have a lot of shortcomings because it's so low, it is low budgeted. They have too many stories that don't have enough depth to them that overall I'd say check it out. Uh, it may not be the best, not, definitely not the worst anthology we did, but um, it's definitely worth checking out just for the fact that it's got so many uh people who are attached to horror and invested in horror into it with all the homages yeah. and the fact that with what you love about trick or treat so much that it's very Halloween centric. So, yeah,
0: I would give it a, a seven out of ten. I think that it's a uh a fair film. Um, you're right because it's Got so many stories, uh, you run the risk of um, having more of them that could fail. Uh, but I think that it has three or four strong ones. Um, so that's really what you need. You need at least half of your film to be really strong. Um, I think some of the stories uh, don't work as well, but you know you always take that risk. Um, the atmosphere is really good in this. Um, I think it has a lot of homages to, to uh, horror films and has a lot of people in it that um, help bolster it as well. A lot of cameos and things like that. Um, certainly has a lot of heart to it, and though it's low budget, um, definitely for the most part, uh, it still has a pretty strong cast. Um, you have a, a few people that uh, still, you know, seem like low budget actors, but for the most part, it's uh, it's fairly good. Um, I think that's you know they did a really good job with at least trying to give this film some horror elements, some comedy elements, and trying to um, change things up a little bit to. You know, not going the same route as Trick or Treat um, has a lot of different ideas going on in it that sort of expand on the Halloween format, um, but enough atmosphere and lighting and stuff like that to really make you grounded in Halloween. So yeah, Tales from Halloween. Um, So when we come back, uh, we're going to take a week off, um, so our, we're going to resume our bi-weekly schedule, so next week is going to be off, and then we'll come back. Don't know what the new episode's going to be yet. Um, we'll figure that out as we go along, so we're not announcing anything. But, uh, we will be back in two weeks, and then after that, we're going to do uh, our Christmas movies as starting in December. So, Santa Claus 3, um, Silent Night, Deadly Night Part 5, we know is coming, and then other than that, not sure. Yet. Could be Gremlins.
1: Feels like just yesterday we were doing Silent Night, Deadly Night 2. That's right. Garbage day. It does. All right. So thanks for listening. We're on Podbean,
0: Stitcher, Apple Podcasts, everything else that you can think of. Facebook.com slash Blood and Black Rum Podcast. On Twitter at Blood and Black Rum. And we have a Podbean at, uh, or not a Podbean, up uh, Patreon, Patreon at Patreon.com slash Blood and Black Rum Podcast if you want to donate to us. And also you can email us at Blood and Black Rum Podcast at gmail.com. Thanks for listening and happy Halloween. Take care.